You Need to Mind Your Business is a weekly conversation around the topics of digital marketing, branding, and social media intended to enlighten, educate, and inspire those with an interest in this field to skillfully mind their business, not just work in it. Let's join this week's episode of You Need to Mind Your Business. Hello. This is Tisha Holman, your favorite digital marketing and social media strategist. Thanks for joining me for another episode of You Need to Mind Your Business. Today, we're talking about branding. The name of today's episode is Be a Brand in Demand. So let's get into it. Um, I want to start and share an article that I stumbled across that talks about uh, branding and a little bit of background about branding. Let's look at the history of a brand. So the term brand first emerged uh, more than half a century ago as a way for cattle ranchers to identify their animals. In the late 1880s, packaged goods like Coca-Cola started taking off. Brands were used to differentiate them from the generic competition. But as branding progressed, marketers realized there was more to the brand of Coca-Cola than just a non-generic name. David Ogilvy, the father of advertising, defined brand as the intangible sum of a product's attributes. The Dictionary of Brand defines brand as a person's perception of a product, service, experience, or organization. Seth Godin, he says a brand is this is a set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. So my take on a brand is that a snazzy logo and a pretty color palette does not a logo make. I think in today's visual, aesthetic consumption of digital marketing and social media and the pressure to create awesome visual content, we get caught up in thinking that's our brand. We think our brand is the way we lay out our Instagram page or the color scheme that we choose for our website. And it's so much more than that. Your brand is really an emotional thing. It should evoke emotion when people see it. That's how it's going to resonate with your target audience, and that's how you're going to create what I like to call brand ambassadors, people who are by default advocates for your brand for you just because they have developed such a connection to the product or service that you offer. So the first thing is that your brand should be consistent wherever anybody finds you, whether that's social media your website, your email campaigns, your app, your podcast, even in person, it should be consistent. They should, they should be, oh, yep, that's mind your business. No matter where they touch me on the website, that should be the general sentiment. And here's the thing, when you are a business owner, you are a part of the brand as well. So no more snapping on waiters and flight attendants because you never know who's watching and you never know who's going live with their, with their cell phone. So you always have to be a walking, talking representation of your brand as well. 
which is a lot of pressure, it kind of seems like, but it's just the nature of the beast. As a business owner, you don't have the luxury of always being able to let your guard down in public settings sometimes because you are an extension of your brand. So your brand definitely has to have, like as I said, the snazzy logo and the pretty color palette does not a logo make or does not a brand make. Um, it's more than that. And it's more than picking out a great color palette and, and the layout. Um, although that is a, a definitely critical part of developing a strong brand because there's a lot of psychology that exists around color theory and, and why you should choose certain color schemes. That's definitely something worth researching to understand how your colors that you choose for your brand um, may be actually resonating or impacting with your potential audience. So that's something to consider. And that's definitely a big part of it, but it should go much deeper than that. Um, what is your brand's promise? What is the commitment that you are making to your target audience to deliver in the way of product or services. Um, one of the things that um, I say in my book, The Social Media Makeover, is that you know brands must become architects of community. And that's a quote from Simon Mainwaring. And that is so true, especially with the way that marketing digital marketing in particular has evolved to having such a heavy influence of content marketing and how uh, it's not just about like putting images out there or products or services, but you have to really find a way to connect with your audience. You really have to be an architect of community around your brand. And it's so important. Um, and being authentic is huge. Authenticity matters so much in today's uh, society. People are not looking for superficial connections with, um, with companies anymore. They really want to have substantive uh, dynamics in between themselves and the companies that they decide to do business with. The voice of your brand it, you need to ask, well, first of all, you need to establish the voice of your brand. And that could mean so many different things. But really what it boils down to is messaging. How do you communicate with your audience? What types of words and phrases do you use? What things are germane to your brand, to your to your brand, and that's going to come through in your vision and mission statement that's going to come through in the copy that you use in all communications on your website, email, social media in particular, that messaging and the, and the words that you choose to use is very much a part of your brand. And so when you establish that voice and when you figure out what that style is, then the voice of your brand needs to have a relatable element. Um, you can't be all business all of the time. Sometimes people want to see um, that behind the scenes glimpse of you. They want to feel like more than what you're offering. There's something about you that also resonates that makes them want to learn more about the product and services that you're offering. And it really is about striking a healthy balance between 
what your objectives are and giving people that occasional calculated glimpse into the person behind the scenes. But it definitely is something that is important as you begin to define your brand and create a brand in demand. People want to feel that connection. It, it just, it, it is what it is. And really knowing your target audience is going to help you with your brand because before you can really decide how you're going to communicate and what colors are going to rec- resonate with your potential audience, you have to have a strong idea of who you're trying to reach and who you're trying to connect with. And until you know your audience very well, It's going to be a little more challenging to really define and develop a brand that communicates with them well. You have to design your branding in a way that is intended to purposely, deliberately, intentionally connect and resonate with your intended audience. According to the 2017 Consumer Content Report conducted by Stackla, 86% of those surveyed said that authenticity is important when deciding what brands they will like and support. So that's huge. Those numbers reiterate the value of developing thorough personas for your audience as well as they shape communication with your audience. So is very important, is very important. And that same Stackler report asserted that on average, 20% of consumers and 30% of millennials, we know that these millennials, everybody wants to target millennials, but 20, sorry, 30% of millennials unfollowed a brand on social media because they felt like their content was inauthentic. That's huge. And like I said, millennials seem to be the trending target audience and everybody wants to figure out ways to reel them in because really they are the next, the next largest demographic um, as far as generations go. But that the 31 in three of them is unfollowing brands online because they feel they're inauthentic. That's really important for authenticity to shine through. Don't just do hard calls to action that have financial means, financial end games, and you're not finding ways to resonate and connect. Um, Don't let your brand be a casualty of these results of having an inauthentic digital presence. It's just not worth it. Um, In today's competitive digital marketing place, authenticity and transparency is going to be a critical factor in your brand's value proposition. You know, like I said, it's emotional. You know, great brands, brands in demand resonate with their constituents by evoking emotion. And when I say emotion, it doesn't necessarily mean the touchy-feely sense. More so, your brand has to show a passion to its audience. Um, Passion can come through examples of uh, a clear vision from your organization. It can come through in showing excellence in service or product delivery. Um, Strong leadership. It's really important for people to see leaders in action. Gone are the days where CEOs and top-level execs, C-level execs can be tucked away in corner offices, not connecting with the people that they serve. Again, going back to authenticity, people want to have that touch with your brand. And it's really important for you to uh, for you to create those opportunities. The other thing is that since we are dealing in the realm, <coughs> excuse me, of digital marketing, 
the output of your brand, the tangible piece of your brand, it is important and it does have its place. And so I strongly recommend developing a well-designed, well-thought-out style guide that will help you to make sure that the people on your staff, or even just if, it, if it's only you, if it's only you to keep you in line with being consistent with the look and feel of your brand. So a style guide is going to show do and don't use cases of images, of photography, of leadership or products, of fonts, all of those types of things of messaging, um, do and don't use cases for certain pieces of verbiage. Um, and all of that can be used for copy on the website, copy on social media, um, press releases, all of that sort of thing. And it's just important to make sure that there's consistency everywhere that somebody would find your brand. They are touching the same thing, whether it's web, social, email, in-person, speaking engagements, wherever. <clears throat> so I want you to think about something. What are your thoughts when certain brands come to mind? I'm going to use some of my favorite brands as an example here, um, just to kind of give you an idea of what I mean when I talk about a brand making an emotional connection and going beyond just the product or service they offer, although that is very important. So a couple of my favorite brands, Tiffany. I love Tiffany and company. Tiffany and I are great friends. So what do you think about when you think about the brand Tiffany and company? Well, for me, Tiffany is timeless, great service, quality. And it's an experience. Whenever you go into a Tiffany and Company jewelry store, you're greeted with a very warm welcome. They are very quick to um, offer assistance and they provide a great level of service and they have a great quality product. So with Tiffany, yes, it's <clears throat> an awesome product, but there's a certain experience that comes along with shopping in a Tiffany and Company store. And it's timeless. The things in Tiffany don't go out of style per se. Um, the, the jewelry, the silver, the diamonds, they withstand the test of time and they don't conform to trends. Tiffany, you don't ever see Tiffany advertising in, in commercials. You see them strategically placed in certain types of publications. And that's intentional because they're a luxury brand. And so, again, considering what you think about when something like Tiffany comes to mind, it's a, it's a total package that they've been able to develop. Starbucks, another favorite of mine. And when I tell you... I am a proud gold card carrying member of Starbucks. I love Starbucks. And I, and I must admit to you guys, and please don't judge me, I am a bit of a coffee snob. I don't like coffee from other places. I don't even really want the K-Cup Starbucks. I want Starbucks passed through the drive through window, Starbucks. And when I think of Starbucks, the first thing I think about is impeccable customer service. I say that Starbucks is like the Nordstrom of coffee shops. I feel like Starbucks would probably remake my 
gasoline tasting Dunkin Donuts coffee if I ask them to, just because they are that committed to providing excellent customer service to their patrons. They're consistent. Um, one of the things that you know Starbucks connoisseurs are known for is having these complicated descriptions of what their favorite drinks are. So like when I go to Starbucks, sometimes I get a soy caramel macchiato, extra sweet, extra caramel drizzle, or nowadays some one of the managers at a Starbucks that I frequent told me about a new drink called a London Fog, but I needed some modifications to it. And so I'll go get a London Fog with heavy cream, extra sugar-free vanilla, extra hot. You know, you see a lot of different remixes of drink descriptions, and mine are actually pretty mild considering some that I've heard. But they're consistent. I can go and rattle off that laundry list of a potential drink and every time it's going to taste the same. They're consistent. And the thing about Starbucks also is that they're trend forward. So they keep they keep what's hot on the forefront of the drinks that they craft. And I think that's so awesome. They're a socially conscious brand. You know, they had a PR conundrum that happened here recently. And the way that they responded to it, to me, was, was perfect. Um, there was a... a uh, diversity sensitivity issue that happened in one of their stores and their response to it was shutting down the locations for a period of time and having mandatory staff training to develop their staff in that areas and that shows that they're also you know not only socially conscious but responsible to the people that they serve and I think that's these are amazing traits of brands target now I like to call it target but target when you think about Target, um, my, my thing about Target is it's a one-stop shop. There's a lot of options, and it's in and out. So, um, And I think that's, that Target has, I don't know what the method to their madness is, and I feel like I want to research it because there's something about the fact that everybody's report about Target is that you can never go in that store and come out with just the things on your list. I don't know if there's some type of psychology to the way things are placed on end caps in that place, but guaranteed you cannot emerge from a Target with just what you came in to get. And that to me makes them an amazing brand because whatever the method to their madness is behind that, it's everybody's report and it's working well for their bottom line, obviously. And even more and more, Target begins to evolve. Now there are super targets, and you can get eye services, and there's Starbucks and Target, which probably makes them like me a little, like probably makes me like them a little more. Um, there's all kind of great things that Target is is adding to their sort of groceries. You know, it's a it's a pretty I think competitive option to Walmart without some of the chaos that. Walmart is known for sometimes. And so, um, and think about how I'm describing Tiffany, Starbucks, and Target. They have created brand ambassadors in me. So because I have gone to and patronized these establishments and I've experienced things that I mentioned like timeless, great quality products and services, great customer service, consistent, ahead of trends, 
I am sitting here on the You Need to Mind Your Business podcast singing their praises. They're getting free advertising from me right now because they have developed a brand ambassador in Tisha Holman. And that should be your objective, to create brand ambassadors. When people deal with your brand, when they encounter your brand, your products and your services, they should want to spread the word. They should want to tell somebody. So are you providing services and products that are worth spreading the word about? That's something to consider. So with that, what would your clients and customers say about your brand? One of the things that I would hope that my customers and clients would say about Mind Your Business is that we are creative and innovative and that we're committed to providing great service and that we go the extra mile to do so and that we provide a great product um, that is um, timely and that helps to simplify their daily operations. Those are goals. Those are the things that are top of mind that, that I think that I would want my clients to say about me. And so take that introspective moment and think about what would people say if we asked them about their experience or what are the first things that come to mind when they think about your brand? Sometimes it's appropriate to take a step back and realize that it's time to make some changes with your brand. Sometimes that could be because of just time and evolution. When we think about if I reference Starbucks or how I mentioned Coca-Cola in the beginning of the episode, their logo, their approach to marketing, and some of their products have evolved over the years just because time has changed. Technology has evolved. Their client demographics have changed and evolved. And so your brand needs to be flexible. You can't be stuck and have your heels in the ground with the foundations and principles that you started with in every case. I think there are definitely cases where the foundational principles and guidelines that your brand started with need to stay the course and run consistent through the life of your organization. But when it comes to the products and services that you offer, you've always got to be um, on the tip of on the tip of what's happening and, and aware of trends and development developments in technology so that you can always make improvements to growing and developing what it is that you're offering. That's how you become a brand in demand. You become a brand in demand because you're always the answer to your client's problem and you're always looking for innovative and creative ways to solve that problem. You have to make yourself indispensable and you have to create, see where, where the deficit is in your industry and fill that. Identify what the problem is for your client and solve it. That's really the simple way that you become a brand in demand is you identify what your target audience's problem is and you simply solve it and not just solve it, but you solve it well. That's what, that's what makes you a, a brand in demand. But there are times when you can't be afraid to reinvent yourself. Sometimes you have to be willing to take a step back and go back to the drawing board and redevelop, uh, reinvigorate, make adjustments to your services, if you have to make improvements in product, in the way that you service people, don't be afraid to do it. 
and never stop learning. Be a lifelong learner, especially if you're listening to, listening to this episode, you are likely in the digital marketing and social media arena. So you definitely have to be a lifelong learner. You definitely have to be somebody that keeps your ear to the ground and your alerts to the latest trending now of what is going on in this industry. Otherwise, the competition, and I say that loosely because I really don't ever feel like businesses are in direct competition with each other because you can only be you. I'm not trying to be any other digital marketing strategist or social media strategist or social media agency other than mind your business. And anybody else that's in the business can't be mind your business. So I really use the term competition loosely. But for the sake of argument, you have to be um, you have to be aware of what's going on or the people around you are going to run circles around you and leave you in the dust, the proverbial dust. So You've always got to be willing to, to develop and, and improve. And I'll use myself as an example. So in my introductory episode, I let you all know that I was by Brandel, that there's a part of me that um, still has the event planner, designer bug inside. But that's where I started. That, that was my first love, Tisha Holman Events. Well, Tisha Holman Events didn't start out as Tisha Holman Events. Tisha Holman Events started out as Do Me a Favor. In the beginning, I would make really awesome favors for events of all kinds. So I would do a needs assessment with the client and determined what they were trying to, um, you know, what the theme of their event was and, you know, figure out budget and everything and come up with something really awesomely creative and conversation worthy for them to give us favors for their events. Well, I was in a friend's wedding. And I went from being a guest to the wedding. I was living in California at the time and the wedding was happening in Chicago. And so about two weeks before the wedding, I got a frantic call from my friend saying that one of her bridesmaids had dropped out. They got in a fight or something. And she dropped out and asked me, would I be willing to step in? And I think it was an easy transition because she and I were about the same size. So the dress was already ready. Okay, perfect. No problem. So I went from a guest to being a bridesmaid. Well, when you get to the event, uh, the day of the event, the, there was an open bar at the reception and the wedding coordinator that she had hired had indulged in the open bar during the wedding. And by the time we got there, this person was drunk and unable to perform their duties. So I stepped in, I stepped in and uh, facilitated the flow of the reception and then at that moment, the bug bit me. And so do me a favor. I was like, oh, in addition to making these awesome favors for events, I can start offering event planning services because although I had been doing it since high school, <coughs> it was something that was really kind of dormant. But I think that was like an early opportunity for me to kind of be, I, I got thrown basically into the, into the lion's den with it. And so I was like, okay, you know what? This is something I've always done. Let me add this to my list of services. I know I have an aptitude for it, and this makes sense. 
So do me a favor, begin to not just offer wedding and event planning services, but also the favors. Well, a friend of mine that is very near and dear to my heart had made a suggestion that I follow a particular celebrity event planner who she felt we had kind of a similar style, similar path, and she thought this would be a good example, a good mentor for me in the industry as I was working to grow my business. This particular event planner, celebrity event planner, was speaking at a conference for wedding and event planners that's designed to help them take their stuff to the next level. And I won an opportunity to attend the conference. When I tell you that conference was life-changing, I learned so much from the conference host, from the amazing lineup of speakers, and from peers that I met there that actually are still friends to this day that changed the entire trajectory of my business. And I left that conference with a next level mindset about how I was going to approach my event planning business. And I went home and quickly rebranded. Do Me a Favor was at that moment Tisha Holman Events. And I was able to elevate my brand presence, my brand message, the services that I offered and the type of clients that I attracted just because I was open to an opportunity where I was able to learn from people who were wildly successful in this industry and apply some of those principles that they so graciously shared to what I was doing and take things to another level. And so I encourage you to consider my story in that don't be afraid to rebrand. Sometimes you just need to take a step back and, and see what you can do better and be willing to make the adjustments that you need to make. We talk about digital marketing and social media is projected by 2020 to be mostly video. And so we are all going to have to start to make gradual changes now. We're in 2019. And so you have less than a year now to be, begin to make adjustments to your content strategy, the development of your content to stay on pace with an increase in video and artificial intelligence on digital platforms. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to take on that challenge? It's time to start doing the research and, and making sure that you're able to remain competitive when those evolutions begin to happen in the way that we touch our audiences. So that, that's how you can be a brand in demand. You can be a brand in demand by having a solid style guide in place that aligns with keeping colors and photos and stuff and all of that, but it's also about an emotional connection. It's about developing brand ambassadors. It's about being the answer to your target audience's problem. And it's about being a lifelong learner and being willing to grow and change with your audience to always be looking for ways that you can best serve them. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of You Need to Mind Your Business. I want to end on um, one other idea about branding. This is from Naveed Moazes, and he says, building a profitable, profitable personal brand online is not a sprint and something that happens overnight. Don't aim for perfection early on. Instead, allow your brand to evolve naturally over time 
and focus on providing massive value and over deliver to your target audience. Then you will get more clear over your message and brand as well. Always remember that. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of You Need to Mind Your Business. Join us next week for another exciting episode. In the meantime, let's be social. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using the handle at MindYourBizLLC. Until next time.